This is The Naturalist. In every podcast episode, we're going to highlight the products, ideas, trends that are shaping the CPG industry. Or that we just really like. And we actually augment the experience more, right? Go beyond and be actually better than the animal target that we're trying to create. You're not going to find this just by people doing, you know, manual traditional product development. Oh, maybe I can show you. <laughs> maybe I can show you the landscaping pictures at some point. Oh, yeah. So I told you I used AI for that, right? Yeah. To try to help with yeah. landscaping. And it's seriously designed like my little tiny yard in the middle of Denver, like an ir- like a castle in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, no, I will not be doing that. All right. Oh, well, I am still getting my head on straight after a little vacay. Little long weekend. Yeah, vacay. where did you go? Paonia. Paonia, Colorado, western slope of Colorado, one of my favorite places. And what's uh, what the attraction in Paonia? Well, lots of organic farms, lots of cute baby goats named oh. things like pineapple and <laughs> cheddar cheese. I don't know. They had cute little food names and great wineries, t- but tons of organic a- agriculture. And that's kind of how I first discovered Paonia was way back. Okay. Hilarious side story. One comment before we get into this. I drove there with my husband, Mickey, who always wants a shout out on the podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, I've Hi, Mickey. referenced you a couple times. <laughs> it's like a four and a half, five hour drive. So I'm listening to some of his, first of all, he's a big listener of The Naturalist. It's his number one favorite podcast. Same with your dad, right? Yes. Although I think Mickey wins. Because <laughs> Mickey listens to full episodes. Yes. Does your dad? I think he does, but he forgets that we exist. So I have to keep reminding him from time to time. Hope he's not listening now. <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> well, I was listening to some of Mickey's other podcasts. Sometimes I'm like, do we banter too? Because we like a banter. We, like we do. To chat. We do like to chat. And I'm like, is it too much? Is it too little? And like, I was listening to his podcast and they're like, it's like 90 minutes of banter. It's 90. So we should keep going. I think we should just keep going. I'm giving us the freedom to just chat on this podcast as much as we want. All right. No interview. No. Great podcast. Great. Well, he thinks they're great. I, you know, semi enjoyed it. (laughs) But there's lots of banter. So anyways, went to Paonia and I was actually thinking about it in relation to this conversation when we're going to talk about tech and tech's role in our food system, AI specifically for this conversation here. But this place is like, I mean, I wasn't even on my phone. You don't really get service anywhere. The The farms are really small. They're using like very kind of like just basic organic agriculture models. They have small production facilities. There's so many great products that come out of there, but they're all very I mean it's truly like an artisanal culture where it's just people love being connected with the land Uh, they love being connected with the land and keeping things as simple as possible and every bite they I love it because the food is so delicious and it's so simple and every meal that you have is just absolutely wonderful because it's really back to basics and definitely kind of like brings the soul back to food, which I know we'll talk about. But um, so I'm back. I'm back from Paonia. It was lovely. You're looking refreshed. Am I? Is that what you would call this look? Yeah. I'm not so sure, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you bring me from Paonia? Do you like apple butter? Oh my gosh. I love apple butter. Oh, I got you some apple butter. Yay. From Big B's, which is such a great place. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard of Big B's. Yes. Yeah. So let's chat about this topic. Interesting conversation that we had last week and, you know, we'll be really exploring the role of technology in our food system a lot through the work that we do at New Hope. In one particular event, we're launching our innovation experience at Expo East in Philadelphia in September. So really looking forward to that. And we'll be looking at issues around responsible technology in food and agriculture, sustainability solutions, really cutting edge sustainability solutions. And some of these topics that 
you know, have a little bit of inherent tension surrounding them because they're new. Anything that's really emerging and and feels new to the CPG industry and the natural and organic product industry can be a little bit intimidating. But we really want to create an environment where people can come curious and ask questions and have dialogue. What does this mean for the future of food and CPG? So certainly one of those big topics is technology. And we have been talking to different companies that are using using AI, generative AI. So um, for those who are not familiar, that's the tools like chat, GPT, probably most people at this point at least have heard of them, if not are using them themselves. So chat, GPT and BARD. And these are really making their way into our food system in lots of different ways. So our goal is to really understand what that looks like for companies that are applying them and some of the opportunities and some of the risks around all of these things. And I think it's really important when we talk about the innovation experience and when we talk about technology in the food system to kind of point out, and I'm going to use really basic terms because I'm still getting familiar with and comfortable with a lot of these things myself, to point out that we're not just talking about using these like massive technological cutting edge platforms. I mean, they could be anything from on small scale farms, like, you know, what are some ways that we can make these things more efficient? Or we were talking earlier about um, using AI technology to find more efficient ways to um, organize hydroponics. So how right. can, so just, it's not always talking about these big, massive platforms or these big, massive companies or initiatives. You know, there's a huge range of, of applications, I think, for these technologies. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And understanding that, you know, at some point, I would say most companies will be using technology or are using technology in ways, but there's just some technologies that are newer and to understand what are those potential solutions, right? So I think in all of those examples that you listed, the, the common denominator is trying to apply these technologies in a way that's either going to scale a purposeful business model or address a consumer need. And so when we look at technology and some of these more emerging technologies, that's how we want to look at it is what are the ones that we feel hold the greatest promise for advancing our collective mission to bring more health to more people. And, and I think a lot of them do. Um, so, yeah, and then we're also in the middle of planning our thinking about our trends for and yeah. you've done a great job leaving, leading some of those conversations and certainly tech and kind of this the dichotomy that we're seeing of like low tech and high tech innovations coming to light. So anything about that that you're particularly excited for us to explore? Well, one thing I really enjoyed about our conversation um, today was we really talked about how even for companies that have these massive technological platforms that are, that are really tech um, AI centric, they still that human factor is still so important. I mean, especially when you're talking about our food system and the flavors and the tastes and the way that people want to eat and the, and the cultural implications of how people eat and and what they eat. So I think it's really important to remember that these aren't isolated things, too. I really like that idea of, you know, you may develop this really um, technologically advanced or, or wonderfully intelligent, solution-oriented project product, but you still need that that human side to to make sure that it's going to be what consumers actually want. It's going to actually fit their lives, their cultures, their I mean, food is so important and such an important part of our life. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it really is an art and a science and that combination of head and heart and now humanity and technology and what that looks like. So absolutely agree with you that finding that balance and and a little bit of our discussion with NotCo, I think really illuminates that. And so we talked to them about, you know, they're really building their company on AI and using AI to help formulate products to identify the right ingredients. And I would say, you know, based on that conversation, some of our other coverage of the space, it seems like the areas in our industry, in the natural and organic product industry that we're seeing and just CPG overall that we're seeing the most ut utilization of technology in a way that seems 
um, potentially scalable is around plant-based foods. Mm-hmm. So I get sustainability right? really and sustainability at large. So I think those two, you know, in agriculture and climate, and we'll talk about that on the list a little bit as well as that. And then also in botanicals, you know, and, and one of the things that I'm passionate about, as you know, is how can we bring more biodiversity into our food system? And so we, we need a little bit of help with that. And so the, uh, you think the Giuseppe's of the world? <laughs> I think so. I yeah. Think so I think Giuseppe is our, our next big hope. <laughs> Giuseppe and Condor and Forager and the who's who of, the who's who of, of AI. <laughs> okay. And with that, let's go ahead and hear the interview with Adit Patel, the VP of Product and Machine Learning at The Knot Company. We are here with Adit Patel of Notco. Thank you both for having me. I'm the VP of Product and Machine Learning at Notco. We're uh, a plant-based food tech company. We started in Latin America, in Chile. Expanded through product launches of Not Milk, Not Burger, Not Mayo in Latin America, through North America now. And uh, most recently, last year, we signed a joint venture with Craft Times where we're developing plant-based portfolio for uh, crafts uh, moving forward. So it's been a, a really exciting journey. Uh, my background at the company is really to build our, our AI tech platform. It's called Giuseppe. It helps our formulators in-house create much better products that are plant-based, sustainable by design. Uh, and like you said, yes, there have been interesting hiccups along the way. So, you know, my background before coming to Notco, I was in aerospace engineering, um, working on, on satellite systems. The first code I ever wrote is currently in space. So that's kind of cool. It's still in space, I, I hope to God. And then I moved into fintech and ad tech on machine learning systems for, for revenue optimization. Very traditional stuff that you do when you work in machine learning. Coming to Notco, what we're trying to do uh, very early on, so I've been here about four years now, is use generative AI. And I know this is like a really hot buzzword now. Everyone's talking about generative AI. One of the reasons I came to Notco was because of generative AI. Um, and we wanted to figure out if we could build this AI system where you can type in the, the target that you want. So cow's milk is the input, the prompt. And the generative AI system can actually come up with these formula concepts for you. And it's a, it's a completely foundational technology. Like no one has ever made it before. So of course, there was a bunch of hiccups uh, very early on. And one of the early versions of the system, you know, we tried uh, inputting cow's milk into Giuseppe. Um, and it spat out these formulations. And I work with a really cool team of uh, experimental chefs that will just try things that Giuseppe spits out. They tried it. It tasted like milk, but the milk was green. And so <laughs> it was it was feedback for the system. Not like a third grade St. Patty's Day party. Like we want to get something to the market that people can embrace. It needs to look like. Exactly. Like we needed to make the milk white. So we needed we know we needed that input back into the system. But I told this story to people and some people are like, we would welcome a green plant-based milk. So I don't know, maybe in the future for St. Patty's Day, we could we could launch it <laughs> just as, as something limited. I think it sounds cool. I'd, I'd drink it. You'd drink a lot of things, Adrian. Yeah, I mean, so. <laughs> it's not saying a lot. But it is interesting. And I think we could get into that a little bit, like consumer receptivity and what they're willing to try and the experience and how much it has to imitate something that they're used to. So maybe we uh, put a pin at that for a few minutes because I had a couple of questions on what you said of just like being NACO being kind of an early adopter of generative AI from a CPG standpoint. When was your first kind of pilot of Giuseppe and learning, you know, what works and what doesn't like what, when was that? Yeah, that was very early on uh, in the company. You know, we were trying to bootstrap uh, as much data as we could from the web. So we were looking at, you know, the USDA website, we we're scraping web for recipes to train this initial generative neural network. And I, th- I think really the first aha moment for us was when the generative AI system, Giuseppe, suggested that we put pineapple and cabbage in milk. And once again, like the green milk example, you know, we tried it and it was kind of this eureka moment, like, oh, wow, this worked, right? And I, and I still remember, uh, it was like right before I had joined, they had discovered it, but it was still like a buzz, right, inside the company that, hey, this is actually working. And, and, and we've had those sort of eureka moments over and over and over again with the generative AI system. So it was really early on in the company. 
where we knew that, hey, there's some legs here to you know, applying generative AI to product formulation, especially for formulations that are like super challenging, right? And then using that and pairing them with very creative people in-house to create really, really, really new and, and innovative products. That's kind of what we were trying to do early on. And then we've just made that into an exponential platform inside our company ever since. So it's been really fun, right? So that like marriage of the generative AI and the creative people and the earlier you also mentioned chefs. So Giuseppe is spitting out these ideas for how to make the most convincing plant-based milk or burger. And then chefs are trying that, tweaking it. Like, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that's where I think the future is, is like this, you know, where those two worlds meet, the humanity and the technology. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think people who see our tech from outside are like, how are they using AI? Um and one of the things that um, is kind of a, like a Bible inside our, our company. So, for example, I have a team of 40 engineers that work on uh, Giuseppe in-house. Um, is this really great resource, resource called Google Pair, uh, People and AI Research. And one of the things that we do when people onboard is say, hey, this is how we're building AI systems inside NotCo. It's human-centric, right? We're building AI systems to be in augmented technology. And we're going to pair this really crazy new algorithm with the most creative or scientific people that we know to create these new innovations. So that's kind of been a pillar since day one. And the other thing we do here, we, uh, we employ what, you know, part of my team is user experience team and, and, and user designers. So we actually have a whole team of people kind of observing how chefs operate in the kitchen environment, how scientists and product developers uh, operate at lab or at, at commands, whatever, and try to figure out how do we build tech that can really situate and embed inside this you know, accelerated R&D environment. And we design our systems that way. And that's basically what causes acceleration and in the, in the product innovation inside NotCo. You've talked a lot about the process and I love what you brought up, Jessica, about bringing together that kind of human side of things with the technology. So how much, you know, just thinking about practical things, how much does that kind of final recipe get tweaked? You know, what's the process then? Is there? Yeah. So we have a few different systems that make up Giuseppe. So this generative AI system is really conceptual, right? So, um, you know, it's putting pineapples and cabbages together. What we did was really fine tune it for novelty, right? We have spinach and cocoa and not burger. We have peach and uh, tomato extract in our not chicken product, right? Like you're not going to find this just by people doing, you know, manual traditional product development. So this is basically uh, something we call combinatorial search in machine learning. How do we go from the universe of large potential ingredients and kind of filter it down into something that is actually, we call it tractable, something that you can actually carry out in a laboratory or kitchen setting. And once you have this space of solutions, there's another algorithm that will actually help you tweak it, right? So instead of actually just taking these suggestions from ingredients from the system and just doing trial and error in the kitchen, we then have another system and that does something called combinatorics. I feel like I'm losing you guys here with the tech jargon, but we can actually figure out what's the best way to mix these ingredients together in the concentrations, change process parameters as well to get you to optimal functionality. And one example here is, um, you know, we'll be launching not milk barista here soon. I think it's not going to be a big surprise. We have not milk. We're going to be launching a not milk barista. And one of the things we did there was we really wanted to tweak that formulation to figure out how to create better latte art, right, for that product. And traditionally, that's a very trial and error heavy process, right? Product developers going into the, into the lab or going into the pilot plant and like trying to figure out this stuff out. What we did was we used our AI. So, we actually worked with a few baristas who would create these initial trials from the system that they would actually use, pass it through an espresso machine, and they would rate each of the different latte art and foaming capabilities of each of these milks. We would input that data back into the system, and it would tell you how to tweak the formula to get to something even better, right? So it's this iterative process, um, but you're using this AI in the loop. And at the end of the day, it only took us about two weeks, three weeks of bench time to actually get to something really good that we were really proud of. So we accelerated the whole process by having this sort of AI system that could tweak along the way and kind of be kind of a co-pilot to the formulator. This is so fascinating. This is, it's really interesting. You actually didn't lose me. You hooked me being more tech jargon. But I, so, okay, so there's an element, there's a benefit that's around accelerating the innovation process. But then you said in there that like, essentially, humans, we would not come up with these combination of 
combinations of ingredients to get this desired output. Did I hear that correctly? Like you don't believe that like human beings, product developers would even dream these things up in a million years. Yeah. Um, and, and just because, you know, not saying that humans are, are bad at being creative, but it's because there's just so many ingredients out there. Right. And if you start looking at the mathematics about how many different ways are there to combine even a data set of a thousand ingredients, it's exponential. Like it, it, it's so much that it's more than I think I did some back of the envelope math one time. And it's more than the number of seconds that has elapsed since the Big Bang. There's more combinations than that just by selecting 10 ingredients from a database of a thousand, right? It doesn't seem like it should be that much, but it is. And that's where you can use computational techniques to actually make that funnel a little bit closer such that a chef can actually go in there and be like, oh, I'm going to try this stuff out. I didn't think about this. And this is really interesting, right? And, and use that as a launching pad to then really figure out and ideate and explore around really novel ingredients in some of our products. Well, that was confirmation that your back of the envelope math looks very different from my back of the envelope. What is 20% of this bill that I'm okay. fascinating though? And it seems to me like this has to be the future of R&D. Like, is this, is this going to be the future of every CPG's innovation process? Do you believe or should it be? I think yes, but it's it's a very hard thing to do correctly, right? Because the, the thing that's hard about building technology in, in CPG or or any any sort of company that where you're dealing with physical products is that part of it is in silica, like on the computer and on the system, and then the other part is you're actually formulating in lab, and then how you connect the digital world to the physical world, sensors, you know, machines, etc., and like the, the education that goes into it, it's a hard task to do. So. Inside NACO, yeah, you know, we have a team that builds the technology. Within our AI team, we also have a group of food scientists um, and, and chefs, like I was telling you, that actually help figure out how the technology is being used in the lab setting. And we also have a change management group because as we keep growing, we keep getting you know new product people inside the company. We have to re-educate them how to use the technology. One of the things that we'll be doing here in San Francisco is actually opening up a, a new uh, science and tech innovation center at NotCo. It's going to be about 25,000 square feet. And, and at its core is going to be AI, right? We're going to figure out, and we already have kind of figured out how to put AI at the center of product formulation and development, right? And it's it's maybe to some people, it sounds scary, but to us, we're product people, right? We really want to have these transformative products in the market that can make a huge impact in sustainability. And we think one way to do that is by putting AI at the center of R&D and kind of just building up this new R&D from scratch. So very excited to see where that goes when this new center is open and, and, and the plans are looking very, very cool and exciting. So I have a question, and this is just kind of devil's advocate. You know, yeah. what's the point? I mean, why are you doing this? Is it to find the most, um, the best analog to cow milk or to um, animal products? Is it the sustainability? Is it nutrition? I mean, you mentioned that some of those ingredients like the spinach and the cocoa were more novelty additions. So yeah, what, what's what's driving this innovation and this? Yeah, uh, good question. So the mission of NACO from the very get-go was always to uh, to remove the animal out of the equation, right? And And when the company was first being founded, there was a sort of parallel that our founders were looking at inside of pharma and drug discovery. Like how does human health evolve, right? Through advances of machine learning, automation, et cetera. There's nothing like this in food. And really the, the mission of the company is like, well, how can we make an impact in sustainability? And, and always it's been around, we need better products, right? Yes, there are a lot of plant-based food companies out there, but the, a lot of the products don't taste good, right? Especially as an outsider to food, this, is, this being the first food company that I, I worked for you know, a lot of products don't hit the mark. And so it's a very ambitious goal to actually create a product that can compete, not just a sustainability aspect of it, but also, you know, the product quality. This is what we really care about at NACA. We need to have a really great consumer sensorial experience in the product. And it's hard to get when you're trying to be sustainable by design and then cost and then sourcing and manufacturing, right? So there's a lot of different decision variables that go into actually creating a product. And then the, and the role of the AI is actually to help you get there much faster, right? So today, it's, the AI is not driving what we make. That's still a fundamental human experience. Food is a human experience. So, you know, humans are, are, are driving the AI. But what, it, what our AI allows us to do is not have to really worry too much about how we're going to get to this really great product. We can focus more on what are the attributes of the product that we actually care to optimize, uh, what do consumers care about, 
and then let AI kind of figure out how to get there, right? So it kind of opens up our product formulators' minds about what do we need in product A? What do we need in product B? What's going to move the needle, right? If we can get right in the texture, the functionality, the nutrition, or the health. And so it's really about being product people and product-oriented more than anything else. And then AI helps drive us to get there much faster, much better. So it kind of sounds like it makes anything possible. Like when you have that desired outcome, that product that you want to, do you feel confident that with the tools that you now have and the systems that you have in place, no matter what you dream up, you can get there? Yeah. The, the short answer, yes. <laughs> um, and we're doing a really cool innovation research that I can't really talk about right now, uh, which kind of goes... Come on, you can't do that to us. I was going to say, I have some suggestions. <laughs> right. Uh, because, yes, you know, a lot of our products today are, are you know, not versions of, of products that people love. Uh, not milk, not burger, not mayo, not custard, which Shake Shack, uh, for example. But, uh, you know, we, we really think that there's... There's, there's more elevation to products than that, right? One of the things that we're looking at now is, uh, can we actually augment the experience more, right? Go beyond and be actually better than the animal target that we're trying to recreate. And so, you know, this is kind of a precursor. Maybe you guys can invite me back next year and I can tell you more about it. But can we start creating sensorial experiences that don't exist, right? That augment the taste and flavors of our products that are actually better than the animal target but they're using sustainable processes and sustainable ingredients by design to get there. It's a really hard, complex problem when you lay it down. But because we've built all these AI platforms in-house that anyone can access inside the company, it kind of de-risks us from being innovative and taking these risks to kind of go and say, hey, how far can we actually push our product portfolio? How, 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 how much closer can we get to the optimal consumer experience that consumers really care about, right? and really tweak and move the needle in that direction. So this we, we call this inside Product X. <laughs> so we, we don't even know what to name it yet because it's so exciting. But it's, it, we've, we've only started this strategy about six months ago. And, and I think we actually may launch something around Product X uh, in, in a couple of months. So maybe look out and follow, follow some NotCo social media and stuff and, 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 follow, and figure out when we're going to be launching some of this crazy stuff into the market. Okay, well, so that's one thing for asking you about trying to get hints on what product X is. I'm going to pivot a little bit because that all sounds incredible. And yes, we will say, hopefully you give us a little bit of an insight scoop. I hope I don't have to find out on LinkedIn, but you know, whatever, I'll take it. So I do want to talk about the product more and just where product and technology come together. And in the, the food industry, you know, when people think of food tech now, I think many people are thinking of precision fermentation or really using technology and novel processes to create the product itself. Now, if I'm clear on what you're saying and my knowledge of NotCo, you're not doing that. This is strictly putting AI at the center of product development, but not using other food technologies that actually create the product itself. Is that is that right? Yeah. So as a as a core competency, right? We're, we're once again we're, we're product you know people. Um, we really care about you know consumer based products. Um, but one of the things that we did with our, our last raise uh, last year was we kind of split our company into two business units. So there's a food side of the business, Notco Foods, um, and then there's something called Notco Tech or Notco B two B. And what we found was with some of our foundational technology we can actually apply it to our upstream partners. A lot of these companies are in synthetic biology to actually help them, you know, optimize their yields for whatever they're fermenting, et cetera. So we actually started licensing out our technology uh, to our partners for them to actually create higher quality ingredients um, or, or um, you know, in- improve their yields in fermentation. Also that they can get the cost down so that we can create really good products with them. So our technology is now not just limited to Notco. We are working now with a handful of partners. We've only started this January. Um, and those pilots are going extremely well and, and really excited to see kind of this round robin effect of, you know, licensing our tech out to upstream in the supply chain, getting basically the outputs of that and, and using that in a CPG product downstream and, and seeing that round robin, round robin of value kind of come to fruition. Uh, one of the things that I saw on your website was talking about biodiversity. So I, I can only imagine that that would be one of the benefits of using a technology like that is perhaps, you know, increasing the number of, of um, plant 
that we work with in our food system. Can you speak a little bit to that or to some of the other advantages that you see this technology or the benefits it might have on our food system? Yeah, definitely. So uh, biodiversity is is definitely one of the key aspects that we're, uh, we've been focused on and we're actually refocusing on now and really looking at metabolites um, inside you know the biodiversity that exists in nature. I think it's been relatively unexplored. So antioxidants or other metabolites that can have positive health um, effects on, on you know, humans if, if they were to ingest it. So we do have a, a research platform in-house that's going to be looking at this at a much more granular scale. And ultimately, once again, what we want to do is make sure that this research actually ends up into development, right? And that's where the technology can actually make a play. So yeah, we will be, uh, we, we, we have been sourcing a lot of crazy ingredients. The hard part here is that the supply chain can't keep up with the biodiversity, right? So one of the strategies here, once again, with licensing our technology out is how can we encourage the supply chain to actually be able to source things that are going to make an impact such that we can actually create products at scale that are going to ultimately make the impact to consumers. So that's foundational. And the other thing is um, is, is around, uh, we already talked about fermentation, but also identifying in existing plants that are maybe not so biodiverse, different proteomic enzymes and oils and fats that could actually be used in a food context. So we are working with one company now that's found that there is actually a special sort of oil in a common everyday seed, you know, and if they can just harvest that a little bit better, it can have great functionality, not just in, in food applications, but in other CBG applications as well, like cosmetics or topicals. So we're working with them to optimize their processing to be able to to harvest this from kind of a more known or colloquial sort of ingredient. So there's two sides to that pendulum. You know, you can kind of go broad and diverse and, and look at the whole ecosystem, but it's harder to source and scale that in the supply chain. Or you can kind of go deep into ingredients, um, into organisms that we already know about in the plant world and say, oh, actually, there's metabolites here or uh, fats or lipids or proteins here that, you know, we can actually harvest and cultivate to create, you know, better products. And those are actually a little bit more scalable and sourceable because you know, they're more common in terms in terms of the supply chain. You know, this is one of the things Adrian knows I've been really excited about this, like the use of AI to identify novel botanicals because our food system is not at all diverse and there's such a range of plant ingredients that we can use out there. So that's just one of the reasons as you're talking that there's so much promise in technology and AI. And then as you know, I'm sure it's also a source of tension and, and, you know, people are scared or concerned about what technology can do to our food system. How do you at NotCo navigate that? Or how do you personally feel about that? And it's not just, you know, it's not exclusive to the CPG and food industry. It's just technology's role in our society and our life. Friction and tension and concern, but specific to CPG, like, what do you what do you think is the most important message that consumers should hear around how technology can positively influence our food system? Yeah, I, I think the number one thing here, um, especially at NACO, is still realizing that food is a, a human experience. The technology is a tool, right? It's a, it's a driver to get us to the sort of health, nutritional cost benefits that can really impact consumers at a very large scale. So just like any tool, right, you can use it for good or for bad. And I think what we'll see, especially with this new AI revolution with, you know, generative models and stuff like that, I honestly think you'll actually see it being used much more for good because I mean, I'm a personal belief, this is more of a humanitarian thing is I think there's more good people on the planet than bad actors. And, and just like any, any tool that humans have kind of created and cultivated throughout history, right? It's on the actor to make sure that they're a positive agent for change, et cetera. So I, I really see AI and, and not, not just AI, but any technology as a way to really move the food ecosystem along. I think the food ecosystem is a little bit conservative, you know, from the other industries that I've worked at. And I think it's going to finally give it like it's sort of push in the direction that it needs to go because I feel like it's been a little bit static. One key point I think other players in the food industry should should take notice in is just being a little bit more transparent about and, 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 and educate what is happening behind the scenes. I think consumers have the right to know about what you know a company is trying to do and how they're trying to do it. And, and, and kind of having more consumer advocacy there, I think is going to help the whole food ecosystem evolve in this new age of AI and technology. 
completely agree on all of that. What are the risks? Are there risks in our to our food system of technology? You know, I, I can't speak on on upstream of the supply chain uh, too much. That's not my my domain. But from from my standpoint, no, I think you, you know one of the things that we ensure that we do at at, at Notco is anything that goes into the AI as ingredients is is grass, right? It's generally recognized as safe, and therefore all the outputs will be grass and and vegan as well, right? So as long as you have a good understanding of what the inputs and outputs to your system are, I think it's fair game to to build these generative AI systems to build these combinatoric systems, as long as you know what's going into the supply chain and, and going into the product, you, you have confidence about what's coming out of it. And so everything in between, I think, is fair game to start building technology solutions that can help you get there faster, better, cheaper, more productivity, et cetera. Once again, to create that impact that we desperately want to see on the on the consumer side of the, of the equation. Well, I really like that you talked about transparency. Um, I know that some, I'm not sure of all of your products, but some of them have non-GMO, project verified certification. I mean, there definitely is that integrity behind them. And I also really liked on your website, I think it really speaks to consumers that you really talk about the measurable impact that they have, you know, in, in terms that consumers can understand, you know, how many showers is this is the equivalent of 48 showers and, you know, all that. So how, how do you measure that kind of sustainability impact? Yeah, some um, we, we have a R&D team in Chile um, that basically has a conversion. So for the product that we launch, um, they basically do an analysis about, you know, the equivalency of using an animal-based product, how many liters of water are you saving, how many, you know, uh, kilograms of carbon dioxide, et cetera. So, you know, we have an R&D team of, of scientists that actually perform these analytics um, before we, you know, publish them on our website or on our, on our marketing pages. Uh, and so that's for products that we're, we're already launching. Inside Notco on our AI platform, one of the things that we're moving towards here is, you know, we, we have formulators designing formulations um, in silica on our internal Giuseppe platform. Um, and one of the things that we're doing now is working once again with the supply chain to figure out um, sourcing. How sustainable is each of the ingredients that are being sourced, right? Because those numbers can be impacted not just by, you know, the ingredient that you use, you know, a pea protein versus an almond protein, whatever. Um, but also within pea protein, like which supplier you're choosing from, which part of the world that you're sourcing from, et cetera, also kind of have an impact on those numbers. So we're trying to go on the tech side, uh, and we think we can do this more digitally, uh, more granular to kind of figure out, you know, formulation A versus formulation B, which one is going to be a little bit more sustainable. It's, it's dramatically more sustainable than the animal target, anything that we do, but we really want to go into the nuts and bolts of it and kind of figure out from that sourcing level as well for the future how to make better decisions in the products that we end up launching inside Notco. So one of the things we're doing on the tech side, in addition to the analytics that our R&D team does to kind of come up with those numbers that we publish on our website. Amazing work. And I, I think Adrian and I are both like getting really excited. I know Adrian, you're getting excited about these. You talk about being able to measure impact and live up to these sustainability promises and claims and that, that you know, technology can be one tool to achieve that. I did want to ask like, just what you like long-term vision, like 10, even 50 years into the future, like what would you want the food industry to look like? And that can be from a personal or professional standpoint. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's always funny when people ask me to predict the future uh, of what things might look like. Cause as a machine learning, you know, practitioner, it's just like, it, it, you know, so many things can happen. There's so much uncertainty in the future. Um, we love our crystal balls here at New York. We're like, oh yeah, we'll tell you what it's going to look like next year. I like the way you framed the question. Like if you could paint the, you know, the picture. Um, yeah, I was actually talking to, um, you know, there's, a, there's this sort of like think tank of, of entrepreneurs and innovators in San Francisco um, where I live. I kind of think about these things and, you know, we talk about it every now and then. And so there's been some really interesting ideas floating around. I think one of my, my favorite ones is about making products way more personalized uh, to different people. And I think that would be one, super cool. <laughs> and, and two, once again, you know, talking about consumer advocacy um, and putting consumers at the center, you know, shining the light back on the consumer. And I, and I feel like today food is such a, a one-way street, like especially for CPG, right? As a consumer, right? It's thinking as a consumer, like you, you go to the grocery store, 
and you have options, you have a ton of options, but it's not like you asked for any of them, right? They're just presented to you. Like it would be super cool to like flip the script to actually say, Hey, this is my green product. Can someone actually create that for me? So I, I mean it both from a consumer liking, you know, perspective. Of course, a lot of the things in the supply chain would actually have to change to make that happen. And the second aspect of personalization, I think, is around health and nutrition, especially when we're talking about probiotics and, 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 and gut health. Everyone's gut health is so drastically different from person to person. But, you know, all the products are, are very similar, right? So could we actually have, you know, personalized health and nutritional benefits, you know, in different products based on some aspect of your of your, uh, of your uh, physiology? I think that would be super cool. Uh, and, and I've talked to a couple of investors and, and uh, innovators that have been kind of thinking about what this could look like uh, in the future. One thing we're doing at NACO, actually, on, on that first point, is actually bringing consumers in earlier into the equation in terms of like giving us feedback um, about what products that they actually want. And we're actually trying to connect it with the tech. It's part of this product X thing. The second point, I think, there for the future is the decentralization of, of the food system and, and the supply chain. Um, and you, you brought up synthetic bio, and, and I'm a big proponent of this, actually. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of inefficiencies, in my opinion, in transportation and distribution of, of food, right, in the food ecosystem. There's a lot of waste that goes into the food system. And one of the ideas I heard um, from one of these innovators was, hey, wouldn't it be so cool in very malnourished population in city centers across the globe, where it's actually hard to grow, you know, food uh, for this population, you actually put fermenters or you put vertical farming somehow, right? They'd have to get water and, and resources there. But you can kind of co-locate where you're going to be producing, you know, proteins and nutrients and all that stuff with huge population centers and kind of cut out on having a centralized sort of distribution system for food and nutrients. And it can actually impact uh, malnourishment dramatically um, if this vision comes to reality. So I, I think that would be a really cool future to live into. And I think it solves really dramatic problems in, in human health and, and nutrition going forward. So like kind of more on consumer side and then kind of, <laughs> kind of broader speaking. But of course, I can't predict the future. So let's see what happens. Well, you took me on a journey. So... Let's meet here again in 50 years and see what happens. Well, thank you so much. This was an inspiring conversation and to learn, like we know about NotCo, but to really understand the inner workings, not all of them, because you do have your... And thank you so much of your work is really driving us to a more sustainable, um, more accessible, healthy food system. So really, really amazing work. And thanks for sharing your insights and your vision with us. <laughs> okay. So great conversation with NotCo and the first company on the list is NotCo, but rather than talk about their products, which you just, you know, we learned a ton about those and how they're formulated using generative AI. I wanted to talk about a cool ad campaign that they recently ran where NotCo asked people to imagine what livestock would look like if they survived to their full life expectancy. So they did that using generative AI to develop the imagery of cows and pigs and chickens that were old, these yeah. beautiful, old, seasoned, maybe that's the wrong word in this world, weary, <laughs> seasoned animals. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. And the images are pretty heartbreaking actually they are they absolutely are and definitely like seeing how companies are using generative ai in their marketing uh, not just in their mm -hmm. formulations actually i think we'll see you know a lot more of that earlier on is as companies using generative ai particularly around these ai generated images that were pretty powerful and yeah, used so to advance powerful. the mission of the company so that is first on the list okay um, the next company I wanted to talk about, so this was really the first, my first exposure to a company really talking a lot about um, using AI. And so that company was Eat Just and um, Eat Just, of course, you know, Just Egg, they have the egg replacements or the plant-based eggs made with mung beans. And so their whole company began with that mission of fixing the broken food system, looking for more sustainable ingredients, trying to help um, combat social, socially unjust food systems. And so the first thing they did is they started to identify and classify proteins 
from, you know, the hundreds of thousands of plant species in the world. So this is an ongoing process. I know so much research into this. They have a plant bank where they've been cataloging these things. And then they um, eventually settled, I mean, I really simplify this, they eventually settled on mung beans, but then they also developed this proprietary technology called Condor. So this is a proprietary technology that is like a life cycle assessment. It enables them to plug in any ingredient and other factors such as the region where it's cultivated, the method of cultivation, the type of water, and they can measure all these different impact key performance metrics which I think is so valuable. And at the time I talked to them, and, and this kind of first, obviously we, we've done a lot with the company. They've been at Nexty Finals. I mean, great company, but this kind of first um, touch with AI for me was so impactful because just thinking about how they can take this technology that they've developed and then use it in so many different ways or other com companies can potentially use it and just finding that that impact amount, I think is Amazing. No, I love it. I think it's so important to be using the technologies like this to measure outcomes. That's a common theme. I feel like we talk about that on almost every episode is measuring outcomes and results and having these roadmaps to toward greater sustainability. And when AI tools can help with that, that's really key. All right. Next up. Uh, so a kind of a different aspect, which I'm really excited by. We've we've covered this. Uh, they were a speaker at our NBJ Summit and we I, I believe at Expo West or East as well. So Brightseed is a really interesting company and they're using technology to and specifically artificial intelligence to identify compounds in nature that are beneficial to human health. So back to that idea of, you know, of the vast majority of botanicals across the world are either being underutilized or haven't even been discovered for food or dietary supplements. And so their AI powered platform is called Forager and it's really focused on identifying those bioactive compounds and then getting really specific around their health benefits or potential applications in nutrition products. So really interesting company that is bringing some of these ideas to the supplement and nutrition industry. Bright idea for Bright Seed. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> All right, the next company I want to talk about is one that we've been hearing a lot about. They've been in the news a lot lately. It's Climax Superfoods. This is a company which started recently in California 2020, and it was founded by Oliver Zahn. And this company uses data to develop its plant-based artisanal cheeses. So I've tasted the blue cheese. It is virtually, and I would say it is indistinguishable from any wonderful craft artisanal blue cheese. It's funky. It's funky. It's definitely funky. But what the company does, instead of calling it, they don't, it's not precision fermentation, which I know is a is a hot button topic in our in our industry. They call it precision formulation. So they really rely on data about the world's, you know, 300,000 plus edible plants to see what the best combination of ingredients would be or plants, <laughs> to say this, um, to create these incredible, incredible artisanal cheeses. So of course they talk to chefs, that human element of course is important, but these data-driven discoveries really allow them to nail that flavor, the texture, the shelf stability, you know, just how the, the texture, how the cheese comes together is a really convincing. And their next one, they're promising a stretchy mozzarella. Yes, I just saw that today. I'll believe it when I have it in my mouth. I'm going to believe it right now, actually, because I tried that blue cheese and it's insane. All right. Big stuff, good stuff. Stretchy cheese, non-dairy cheese, stretchy, I need it. Okay, next up, gonna shift gears again. It is pretty cool as we're going through this list, right? Like so many different applications here. Uh, but the one that I wanna talk about is climate AI. So this is an AI technology that's used to really help scale agricultural systems 
that are climate smart. So this is looking at identifying new locations for specific crops and commodities and manufacturing sites. And they just got some big investment, understandably so. This could be a huge breakthrough. And so how this got me just thinking about the many companies that must be investing in AI to help understand which agricultural methods, crops, locations are going to be most beneficial to helping us address our climate crisis. Big deal. Yeah. And I'm going to do something a little bit unorthodox here on the naturalism. Uh, Tara, can you tell us about your hydroponics company you were telling us about earlier? So fascinating. I feel very uncomfortable. Hi. <laughs> hey. How's it going? Great. Great. How are you, Tara? Yeah, I'm the person that edits this. So I was just talking <laughs> to Jess and Adrian because I was doing some research and I thought it was really cool that there's a couple of different companies out there that are working and using AI to plot out different hydroponic plants. So if you're growing something or if you're a small company and you want to be able to do local focused growing, you can actually hire different companies to help plot out your hydroponic system. So there's a company called Farm to Market downtown Denver. They're pretty cool and I believe they're using it along with, I don't want to speculate, but I believe there is a sushi restaurant that is also investing in it. So cool. Thanks, Tara. Let's Tara come with a list I Item every yeah and Tara is our producer not the person who edits this. Tara don't sell yourself short we couldn't do this without you and you have a great podcast voice okay we've got one more two more one more at least one more well I did think is one thing that I noticed I'm not gonna put this company on the list but there's like like big food is using this a lot. One of the ways that big food is using this is to really understand what consumers want of like flavors. So um, an example is Campbell's soup. Yeah, they use data to discover what its customer wants next and produce new products like the chunky ghost pepper chicken noodle soup. Apparently the people have spoken. <laughs> That's what and they, they need. Want, they need ghost pepper chicken <laughs> noodle soup. So not on the list necessarily, but you'll start seeing Just it like everywhere. Used to right? make. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, so there that is. But I do want to um, mention, so we'll be partnering with Mike Lee of the Future Market on a lot of our activations and programming at the Innovation Experience in Philadelphia. And he came out with an excellent three-part series on food and generative AI and just some of the the issues that he sees and some of the great opportunities, how he believes it will influence. Highly recommend his series, Mike Lee of the Future Market. You can find his blogs on his website and also be sure to participate in our programming at the Innovation Experience to hear a lot more um, from Mike and particularly his ideas on the low-tech and high-tech innovations coming together. So interesting. Yes. That's okay. <laughs> and that's all we've got for you today. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Want to be on The Naturalist? Send us an email at thenaturalist at newhope.com.